This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? It's interesting because Dave Johnson, I was so proud of him. Dave Johnson was the guy just up here speaking. I was so proud of him for a service because he had it right. He said Alhambra. You know what I'm saying? He said, this is Redemption Alhambra. But I guess in between services, he just busted out the fine wine and went back to his bougie self and has to say, Redemption Alhambra. As he has his pinky out. You know what I'm saying? That's just cray-cray with David. Um, before I get started, what I want to do is, is uh, just pay homage to somebody that has been very instrumental in my life. Someone that has, uh, well, he's not there anymore, but I'm still going to do it. But uh, it, was, it was just a blessing when I saw him walk in to our, to our church. His name is John Mark Reiser, and uh, he goes by the name Vocab. And the, the, the thing about him is uh, when I first was called, you know, into the faith, when Jesus came to me and appeared to me, he was there too. And uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's extremely... Uh, He's extremely, he's an extremely instrumental part in my life. Um, he's showed me what true grace is. You know, you feel the grace of God, and then sometimes God just puts that skin on, right, and shows you what grace looks like. That's being lived out. I mean, he was with me when I first got saved, so when I first got saved, very, very, very legalistic, very legalistic. Oh, you can't wear earrings. What are you doing wearing earrings? Oh, you can't have tattoos. You can't do any of this stuff. And by the grace of God, when he came to me, he didn't have any earrings in his ear. I was like, oh, what happened to your earrings? He's like, well, I didn't want to make you stumble, brother. I mean, it's stuff like that. He showed me tremendous amounts of grace. And God has used him to kind of keep me level so I wouldn't go into left field. So, John Mark, I just thank you. And I thank you for being in attendance. And I thank you for all that you've, you've done in my life and in my family's life. You are definitely appreciated. Love your family. Anyways, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Wes, and I'm one of six elders here at Redemption Church, Alhambra, Alhambra, okay? And it's cool that I actually get to say six elders, because yesterday we had an elders meeting, and we had a few deacons come in, and uh, Wayne Winter was in that meeting. We used to have five, and then there was Wayne. So Wayne entered in, and now we have six elders. So give it up for Wayne, because he is an official elder, and he had his first meeting with us yesterday. And it's crazy because you have to call him Bishop Wayne because he entered in in like a suit and he was like the man yesterday. So that's Bishop Wayne Winter. Today what we're going to do is, is, is we're going to tackle something called evangelism, but it's in, it's in a series called Culture. We have this series going on. It's a five-week series called Culture. And in this series, this is the third week actually. The first week, Pastor Aaron spoke about prayer and how prayer should be the root of our cultural identity here, right? And then he spent the second week talking about uh, spirit and truth, the heart of worship. And today I get to talk about evangelism and how I believe that evangelism is rooted in hope. It should be rooted in hope here at our church. And then next week Aaron's going to come back up here and talk about generosity. I have a full water bottle up here. First service, this thing was half drunk and it was from Aaron's from last week. That means we're not being generous and not tithing and doing things because we're recycling water. So I need you guys to start tithing, all right? So a brother can have a full water bottle each service, okay? 
And then last, the last week that we have, uh, uh, Pastor Wayne is going to come up here and talk about commitment, what it looks like to be committed to the local body. So today, like I said, the, the name of this sermon is Evangelism Rooted in Hope. It has to be rooted in hope because without a genuine hope or a real knowledge of what biblical hope is, our, our attempts of evangelism, they may start out good. We may start out on fire. Like, we are just so fired up to do things. But uh, after a little while, if it's not rooted in, in biblical hope, those flames could, could go out and we can have a great crash and burn, can't we? We can do that. I mean, think about it. How long can a person do God's work in their own strength before they lose hope? I mean, how long can a non-repentant person keep giving glory to God when good things happen? How long can someone who has no hope keep lying about the hope that is within them? Crash and burn, I'm telling you. How long can a person continue to speak about the love that they have for someone when they truly don't have it at all? I'm telling you, evangelism has to be rooted in hope. And we're going to unpack today the biblical hope. I want to go a little bit underneath the surface today, and we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up there now. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and that's where we're going to be at. And I have to admit that when I was prepping this sermon, it, it, it got me. It shook me up a little bit. It wrecked me. But it didn't wreck me to the point to where like, I was on my knees, repentant, crying out to God, snot coming out of my nose. It didn't do that. It didn't do that. But what it did was it, it created a paradigm shift in my mind. A paradigm shift, something, my thoughts, my thoughts begin to collapse onto my brain. That's what it did. And then God started to do something better. He started rebuilding. Do you guys know that God does that? Sometimes he destroys and then he rebuilds. You guys know that? Can you say amen to that? Does he do that? Yeah, he does that. He destroys and he rebuilds. And that's exactly what he did. And now I believe with this text, I see it that much more clear now. So I just thank God for what he's done in my life. And I hope that the experience I got while writing this, you get while hearing it and taking notes. So there are three things that I got that, uh, that had me conclude this message. So, I, you know, the first thing that came out was uh, hope is of God. God is the God of hope. Okay, we've got to understand that every thought that we've ever had about being with Jesus, you guys ever thought about that, what it's going to be like when you're with him? Like when you're able to, to see him and talk to him just like we're talking and looking at one another right now, there's going to come a time where you're going to be able to see him. Oh, man, Thomas, how blessed was he when he was able to put his hands in the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. There's going to come a time, guys, where we're going to be able to see him. So those thoughts, have you ever thought about what it's going to be like when, when the world is restored, when the world is made right? So we see Jesus, and we get to walk up and down these streets and not have to worry about death and bad things happening to us? Have you ever thought about what it's going to be like when your body is glorified, when you're made right, when the DNA within you is perfected, and then there's no longer sin that separates you from Jesus, but you're going to have clear eyes because you're going to be glorified to see him. You ever thought about those things? You ever meditated on those things? The reason you're able to think about those things is because hope is of God. And that was the first thing that I got out of studying this. And the second thing that I got that made my eyes get really big and my heart begin to like melt within me as I was studying this is I found out that 
living, there is a such thing as a living hope. Our hope is not dead. If you're a believer in Christ, if you profess Christ, if Jesus is in you, then you have a living hope. Not wishful thinking, but a hope that is alive and active. And the third thing that got me, that kind of wrecked me and it forced me to meditate, I was laying in my bed and I was staring at the ceiling and started meditating. I do that, you know, whenever I got to preach or start thinking about things, I lay in my bed and stare at the ceiling. And Lynn, she's always to my left on Facebook or YouTube looking at her videos, you know, <laughs> as I'm doing the holy thing. Um, so I'm standing there. <laughs> We're not recording this one, right? All right. So as, I'm, so as I'm sitting there looking at the ceiling, it finally hit me. And I rolled over and I said, Lynn, blah, 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 blah. And she looked up from her phone and was like, huh, are you serious? That's all I got. Huh. So, but this is what the third thing was. The third thing, <laughs> that's all I got from her. I didn't get this great, yeah, that's, but the third thing was this. The living hope that is of God is in us. It's interesting how when you sit there and you meditate on that, the living hope that is of God is in you. Oh, it just does something to me. We don't have to go very far to obtain this hope and find rest because that hope is in us. So that was the third thing that I got. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're living in a land that thrives off of fear. We live in a land that that just loves to proclaim bad news, especially through our media. We're living in, we're living in a land where, where the good guy doesn't always win, so it's easy to not have any hope. God, it's easy for us to lose all hope. Father, that's why I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for life in Christ. I thank you for creating a people for yourself that can experience a living hope that will not die. Father, I pray today that you create hope inside of the hopeless. Father, may salvation be gained through the gospel to those who desperately need it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. I wonder what would happen if Aaron or Wayne or I, we didn't say that. I wonder if you guys would stand the whole time. Or would you just take it upon yourselves to sin? I just wonder. Maybe we'll try that one time. So our main passage is 1 Peter 3.15. However, we won't be getting there until the end. I want to kind of take us through a journey that leads us up to this passage. Now, I did a word study of the word hope, okay? And, and in my study, it came up about 128 times. I guess it depends on what version of the Bible you use, but it came up 128 times, and I read the ESV. So that's a plug right there. I read the ESV Bible, all right? It came up 128 times times. Uh, it came up 59 times in the New Testament. So if you do 128 minus 59, then you can figure out how long, it, how many times it comes up in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to give you the answer because you guys got to do some work. I mean, do something. Man, so 
with that, I want to go over a few of those passages today that I found in, uh, in this word hope. I want to go over, I'm not going to go over all 128 of them, but I'm going to go over a few of them, all right? And so the first is that first point, the hope is of God. God is the God of hope. I want us to think about the things that we put our hope and our trust in. Think about the things that we put our hope and our trust in. Many of us are like, of course, Wes, we put our hope in, tr- we put our hope in God, right? We put our hope in him. And some of us, we put our hope in our finances. I'm not saying that you live by your finances, but I'm pretty sure you hope that after you do your job, you get paid, right? So you put your hope in there. Put your hope in your family and your spouses and, and all those things. We put our hopes in those things. But Romans chapter 15, 13 tells us that our God is the God of hope. What we got to understand is there is a true hope that our God is Lord over. And then there is a false hope that a lot of us fall victim to. It's interesting because in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says this, in hope, Abraham believed against hope. Which could mean for us that in the hope of God, Abraham believed against the wishy-washy hope that he had for himself. He was going to be the father of many nations, but there was very little hope that he could cling on to, but then there was a great hope that he could definitely cling on to. And we're going to cover that in a little bit. Understand that sometimes when your hope is rooted in God, things may not go the way that you feel they should be going. But that hope that is in God is going against the selfish hope that you have for yourself. The hope of God begins to battle against the wishful thought thinking that we have for ourselves and the hope of God then becomes victorious when it's all said and done which is why we can find rest that God is in control and that the future is in his hands there's hope and while I was doing this study I believe that there was a time where hope the hope of where hope was not fully alive please don't let my lack of words to adequately articulate this point that I'm trying to make throw you off because I think this is a very, very good point, and I'm going to try to make it the best I can. But I believe that there was a hope that was one time in the womb, so to speak. Now, when a baby is in the womb, that baby is still alive, contrary to what many Americans believe. But that baby is alive. Actually, my wife, she's about to give birth to our fourth kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Kid number four up in this month. And... I can't wait for him to be born because we know that that little booger is definitely alive. The reason why we know that is because he has been doing nothing but causing drama in my life (laughs) and in my wife's life. So, Lynn, when you listen to this message, I want you to put the headphones next to your stomach right now. And I want to speak to our son, William. (laughs) Hurry up and be born so that you can be a blessing to me and not a... Well, Lynn says he's always a blessing, so I'm not allowed to say that. But William, be born so that you can be a blessing. So I really got the concept of hope being in the womb during my word study when I ran across Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, are you guys there? We might have Nobody was there. That stinks. That stinks. But that's where it is. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The scriptures were there so that we might have hope. First Timothy tells us that, that 
The scriptures were God breathed, right? The scriptures were God breathed. Why did God breathe those scriptures? So that we might have hope. I really want this simple concept to begin to sink into our minds this morning. Think about it, okay? Just think, 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 think. Our God reigns on high, and he is the God of hope. The scriptures were written in the former days for our instruction. They were written so that we will endure the race. They were written for us to be encouraged here in this room today. You have to understand hope has a God and his name is Jehovah. You have to understand hope's God consumed a bush with fire and he didn't burn it up but spoke from that bush to give Moses the courage to free a nation from the chains of oppression. When God appeared to Moses, courage and great hope accompanied him. God appeared to Joshua and spoke to him, saying, Be strong and very courageous and go conquer the land of the giants. And so courage and great hope accompanied God when he appeared to Joshua. God appeared to Elijah and told him not to be afraid of all the people that wanted him dead because God had a great host of others that have not bowed their knee down to Baal and to those false prophets. And so great courage and hope accompanied God when he met up with Elijah. And then Elijah's apprentice, Elisha, was blessed to see that God actually had a legion of angels fighting next to him during the battle of Aram. So Elisha was not afraid of the king of Aram, but he was filled with great courage and hope. There are countless other Old Testament examples of God appearing to someone and then filling them with courage and hope. I mean, he did it with David. He did it with Solomon. He did it with all the prophets. As a matter of fact, when God appeared to any of his chosen in the Bible, there were three things that would happen. One, great fear would come over that person. That's a reverence that's hardly ever practiced in our nation. We claim that God appears to us all the time. Man, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Man, if we would just include that instead of trying to take God out of everything. My goodness. Second thing that happens is a call happens or a reason would be given as to why God even appeared to that person. Then the third thing that would happen, some type of hope or boldness or courage or faith would be given to that person to live out what God has called them to do. So what I want you to do is think about what has God truly given you? What has he given you? When you encountered God, what was the reason for his appearing to you? You personal. What was the reason? Why did he appear to you? I just want to say that there is no salvation without the appearing of God. No salvation without the appearing of God. And I know that's a bold statement. And I'm not saying that you have to have this crazy testimony about how you were some rebel that went off wanting to kill everybody in the world. But thankfully, thankful to the world that God saved you because you were going to kill everybody in the world. You don't have to have that kind of testimony. You don't have to have that testimony where you were the biggest drug dealer on the planet, but God saved you. You don't have to have that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there is no conversion, people. There is no sinner being brought into a saint without the appearing of God. I'm telling you, that just does not happen. And that can explain probably why many people leave the faith. That could probably explain why so many teenagers are tricked into believing that they're Christians. They're tricked. 
Because they're, 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 they're drawn into a Christianity where behavioral modifications, where it's at, not the appearing of God. There was, they were never approached by the God of hope. And that's why these things are probably taking place around us and maybe even in your life. When God appeared to you, what did he bring? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, Keziah. That's my niece right there, so she's allowed. She's allowed. Now we're going to move into a living hope. As we move on to my next point, this is what makes me believe that hope was at one time in the womb. And we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Peter. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and go to 1 Peter. I mean, chapter 1, we're going to spend time in chapter 1, 2, and 3. And I know I only have a select amount of minutes of time, and you guys are like, how are you going to do this? But we're going to do it, all right? Chapter 1, 2, and 3. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And if we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, if some of you are there, it says that we are born again into what? Who's there? What are we born again into? Boom. That's what I'm talking about. Deb is there. She's there. That's what I'm talking about. We're born again into a living hope. Now we have to ask ourselves, how in the world did this hope come alive? That's a great question, and I'm glad you guys asked because I have the answers. And you're going to ask a lot of questions that I have answers for today. So I'm so thankful for you guys. So we're born again into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. You guys see that? So the actual birth of hope was when Christ rose from the dead. So the resurrection of Christ is the amen to all the prophecies that were prophesied about him. You guys get that? The resurrection of Christ is the amen to all the work that God has done on this planet beforehand. The resurrection of Christ is the amen to the crucifixion. Oh, I hope you guys catch that. I got that last one from Tyler Johnson. I better give him some credit or bad things that happened to me. So the resurrection of Christ is the amen to the crucifixion. Got that from Tyler. So our living hope is alive. Why? Because it's alive in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And also during my word study, I found out that Peter is using living hope as a working definition for the rest of the word, for, for the word hope as he continues on in his book. From chapter 1 to chapter 3, there's only one time when he didn't use living hope as a working definition, and that was when he was referring back to what I call the hope in the womb. So with that understanding that hope in 1 Peter means a living hope, and the definition of living hope is a hope that is made alive in Christ Jesus through the resurrection, I think we're able to move on. You guys still trekking with me? You guys there? Hopefully the slides help. So it's interesting how hope is so closely connected to faith. Hope is closely connected to faith. Faith. In First Peter, First uh, Peter chapter one verse five, it says you can see how faith is actually what protects our living hope. You guys see that? It says our hope is being guarded by the power of God through what? Through faith. That is mind blowing to me especially after we went through our Roman series and Pastor Aaron and I were able to unpack what faith truly looks like, right? How it's complete trust in God and trusting in his work. It's also scary because I know at times just how weak my faith is. You know what I mean? So, so if it was my faith <laughs> that guards the living hope within me, that hope is going to die eventually, right? Which is why I thank God that in verse 5 it says, 
by the power of God, my inheritance will be guarded. By the power of God, my salvation is protected. By the power of God, my hope is guarded through faith. I hope you guys see that. I just thank God that it's him that does the protecting. Chapter 1, verse 13, it tells us to set our hope. You guys see that there? It's like in the second half of that, of that verse. It says, set our hope. But we now know what type of hope Peter's talking about. Set our living hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. Now, Pastor Wes, why would Peter tell us to do that? Dang, you guys. Excellent question, and I have the answer right here. He asked us to do that. The reason why Peter told us to do that, the reason why he told us to set our hope on the revelation of Christ is because of the first part of the verse. The first part of verse 13 tells us to prepare our minds for action. You guys see that? It tells us to prepare our minds for action and be sober-minded. How? By setting our hope, setting our living hope on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. So the hope that is within us is supposed to push us to action. It's not dead. So if you have the living hope of God inside of you, you should be very, very active. Your mind should be getting prepped to step out and proclaim the goodness of God, just like Moses, just like Joshua, just like all the prophets. Oh, how evangelism is rooted in hope. There's no witnessing there's no outreach there's no real evangelism without us first setting our hope on the revelation of Christ that will soon take place which is why I scream out every chance I get Maranatha 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 King Jesus oh come oh come King Jesus and how wonderful is it that us being saved we get to be a foretaste not only of the kingdom to come but the revelation of Jesus Oh, we're his hands and feet, aren't we? And if the living hope is inside of us, when you go out and you proclaim the goodness of God, they are seeing Christ in you. That is a blessing. That is a great honor that we have to be children of God. And then moving on to verse 21, we see Peter doing this again. He's linking faith and hope together again. He's doing it. Well, I'm going to start at verse 20. It says, Jesus was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but... He was made manifest in the last time for our sake. You see that? There's that manifestation. And through him, we are believers in God. I hope you guys are seeing that. God raised him from the dead. That raising is the resurrection, right? Now we're seeing how the resurrection is so closely linked with hope again. God raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith, don't forget what our faith does. Our faith protects and guards our hope. I hope the dots are connecting. But that our faith and our hope are in God. That's where great rest and comfort and a big should take place in your life because everything happens in the power of God and the life of the believer. Your faith, your hope, the actions, all those things happen by the power of God. I love how Aaron spoke about the importance last week of spirit and truth. Because in verse 23, Peter takes us a little bit deeper underneath the surface. And if some of you are like me, when I was studying this, I was like, really, Peter? We weren't there already? We weren't underneath the surface? Well, in verse 23, he actually takes us a little bit deeper under the surface of what living hope truly is. Verse 23, he says, since we have been born again, 
You guys see that there? Now, that, that's familiar language to us, right? Born again, because we were born again into what? Uh, come on, get me, get me, get me. A living hope. Bam, who said that? Loving it. I'm loving that person that's trekking. So that's familiar language with us. We're born again into a living hope. So verse 23 says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. So now Peter has shown us the means in which we have been born again. Please try your hardest to stay with me. Stay with it, brother. I love football too, and I know that the playoffs are on, and I want the Seahawks to win, but please stay with me. The Cardinals are out, so. Consolation prize, I guess. Consolation. I don't know how to say that word, but it's a prize. So stay with me, all right? So living hope came alive how? How did living hope come alive? Does anybody remember? Living hope came alive by the resurrection of Christ, right? That's how living hope came alive. We have been born into that living hope. But how have we been born? We've been born by the living and abiding word of God. Oh, I'm hoping you're catching that. Let me say that again, but just a little bit different. There's a such thing as a living hope, okay? There's a such thing as a living hope for people to enter into. The way we enter into that living hope is by the truth of God's living and abiding word. Okay, so the way that we access the truth of God's living and abiding word is by the life that is found in the resurrected Christ. (laughs) There's life in Jesus and life more abundant. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I hope you guys got that. So the word of God is alive. So we have to understand that we serve a living God that has also made us alive as we were born again into a living hope through his living word by the power of the resurrected Christ. I'm telling you, there's life in Jesus. That is living hope. And that's the hope that is supposed to be within us. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, this is more of an orthopraxy that Peter's doing. And orthopraxy just means a right practice, a way to kind of live these things out. So that's what 1 Peter chapter 2 is. And we just learned, like, the orthodoxy, and all that means is just the right way we think about things. So we learned about the orthodoxy, especially when it comes to hope and what living hope is. And so this is how we live it out in chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to go through chapter 2 because I know time is of the essence, but what I want to do is I want to challenge you to go home today and read chapter 2 with the understanding of what biblical living hope is. And because I know some of you shook your head yes, and I really know what that means, it means no way, I'm not doing that, I want to challenge all the RC leaders this week to go over 1 Peter chapter 2 and challenge those in your RC to see how a living hope should be prompting them to action. Look what Peter is talking about in chapter 2 and how they're able to do all these things because they have this prompt to action. So RC leaders, please do that this this week, please. So as we move into chapter 3, And we're almost there. We're almost to the text. Not quite, because I want to take a pit stop in verse 5. Verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5, this is where Peter uses hope in that way that I like to call that, that hope that lives within the womb. He uses it to compare that hope that lives in the womb with the living hope that we just spent 30 minutes unpacking. Peter is saying in verse 5 that the women of old didn't really have the honor of living in the living hope that we do today. 
but they still showed their holiness in the hope that they had in God by submitting to their husbands. So there was a way for those in the Old Testament to, 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 explore, to, uh, to display the hope of God in them. So in essence, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an age where hope is fully manifested in the life of Christ. As children of God, we're living a life right now, living a life that is rooted in, the, in, in, in living hope, and that should be a huge blessing for each and every one of us, that we get to live that life. And so now we're moving into our text, and some of you are like, finally, goodness, I just want to do one thing. I want to read it one more time. I want to read it one more time, and I know when I read it, some of you, the light bulbs are just going to go on, and they're going to get so bright they might even just bust. I don't know, but it's there. So 1 Peter 3.15, I'm going to read it one more time, and it says, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So always have a reason for the hope. Always have a reason for that living hope that is within us. Oh, how I used to butcher this text with bad interpretation. I would use this text to fuel me to start studying other religions so that I could debate them. Yeah, apologetics, baby. Presuppositional. That was my stand. So I would use that to get ready to debate. I would use this text to fuel me to begin to start studying doctrinal creeds so that I can have an answer as to why I think the way that I do, but not a true answer for the hope that is within me. You see, that's not what Peter's talking about here. He's not talking about doctrines, people. He's talking about a living hope. Look what he says. He says, we honor Christ as holy. How? By always being prepared. Let's stop. Let's just stop right there. Because that should be, that should be familiar language now if you're following along. Where have we heard this before? Where have we heard the word prepared? 1 Peter 1, 13. We were commanded to set our hope on the revelation of Christ. Why? So that our minds could be prepared for action. Oh, I hope those dots are connecting. Now in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter is telling us to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for a reason for the hope that is in us. I can't tell you how free I am now, now that I know that Peter isn't asking me in verse 15 to go to doctrine, but I know that he's actually asking me to go to my personal relationship. He's asking us to go to our personal relationships. Peter is asking us to go to testimony and not blanket statements. Peter is asking us to always be prepared to talk about the great hope that is alive and active in us. That's what he's asking. That's what he's asking. How has God blessed you? How has he blessed you? Be prepared and be ready to share that. How has God saved you? How has he done it? Be prepared and ready to share that. How has God brought you through so many things? Please be prepared and ready to share that. How in the world has God given you so much joy in the midst of chaos and great suffering? Oh, will you be prepared to share that? That's what Peter's asking us. 
Always have a ready defense. Because living hope is the root to evangelism. Evangelism is rooted in hope, and it can be no other way. And that should be the cultural identity of our church. That evangelism is rooted in the living hope of God. And just like courage and great hope accompanied God in the Old Testament, living hope is always in Christ. Living hope is always with Christ. Colossians 1.27 tells us that as children of Christ, as children of God, Christ is in us and he is the hope of glory. 1 Peter 1.1, Paul makes his introduction by saying Christ Jesus is his hope. He says Christ Jesus is our hope. Please understand that the hope we have is an anchor to our soul. A hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. And that's Hebrews chapter 6. And now I'm going to conclude and ask the band to come up. And I know that this passage, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, is a call for all of our lives to respond. Every, every aspect of your life, you need to be ready to have a defense for the, for the hope that is within you. But what I want to do is I want to kind of narrow it down to our immediate need right here in our church. So what we learned was that the hope of God has appeared to all his children. So you, if you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have been called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Oh, I hope you understand that that has happened. Just like Abraham, Moses, and all the others, God has appeared to you if you profess Jesus. He has spoken to you. And great courage and living hope has accompanied him. Oh, if you believe in Jesus. We, understood, we, we, we went over that there is no conversion without the appearing of God. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that changes the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that does regeneration. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes out your heart of stone and puts in the heart of flesh so that, you can, so that it can beat and you can feel God and know that he is present. And you can understand his word. It's the spirit that does that. You've got to understand that your spirit was made alive by the Holy Spirit. How? Through the living and abiding word of God as we were being born into a living hope. And we know now that living hope, it prompts us to action. Living hope should prompt us to action. The hope that God has placed in each and every one of us should be a call to action. This is why you have new desires in you. This is why you have new burdens in you, because God has placed them there. Because now your hope is not wishful thinking. Now your hope is not dead. You have desires and burdens on your heart because your hope is alive and active, and it's inside of you. Now this is where I, I, I want to just zoom in here. Because there are plenty of avenues here at Redemption Alhambra and in the, the city of Phoenix. There are plenty of avenues, but specifically here, there are plenty of avenues for you to express the living hope that is in you. I wonder what it would look like if everyone in this room, and from first service to this service, I wonder what it would look like if God truly opened up your hearts and opened up your mind and you understood that there was a living hope inside of you and it was alive and active. 
And all of a sudden, we all showed up to help the homeless and the needy in our community. What in the world would that look like? Oh, theory is great. Oh, we're just fantasizing and dreaming. But what I, what I got to do is I just got to pray that God will awaken your spirits and open, open up your hearts and, and, and make that hope come alive in you because we do that here, guys. We do that. We, we take care of the homeless and the needy of our community. And we're going to do that at the end of this month, January 31st. We're going to meet here at 4 p.m. where we do that. And, and when we do that, we give them clothes and hygiene products, food boxes, hot meals, and most important, we give them dignity. We give them dignity through real conversations. We give them dignity because we really want to connect with them. We don't want to just get them in and get them out and send them on their way. We want them sitting here with us. We want them at the table. We want them taking communion. We want them to have a living hope within them. We want them alive and active and in their own community. So Dinner with the City is happening, and it's happening this month, and I pray that God will awaken you and that you will be a part of that. There are other ways for you to get connected. There are tons of ministries that we got going on, and outside of these walls, there's, outside of these doors, there's going to be a table where all these ministries are going to be out there, and you could sign up, and, and if God just prompts you to, to just want to display what it is that is in you, please sign up for one of those ministries, whether it's kids or, or whether it's usher and greeter or, or even something that I'm doing. Just sign up. And also, this is what I love about our church. This is what I love about Al- Alhambra is that if you have a burning passion within you to do something, do you not know that you have the avenue to come to us and let us know what it is that God has placed on your heart. And you will have people, if we're in agreement, you'll have people that will begin to cultivate that passion. And we'll begin to help you plan. And you'll have people that will pray with you. We want to see these things flourish. We want the living hope that is in you to prompt you and to get you out and doing things. We don't want a church full of people that have dead hope. We don't want a church full of people that have inactive hope. We want a church full of people that are alive, that have living hope within them. So please contact me, whether on the city or email or after service, and let me know if there's something burning within you that just needs to get out. And let me, by the grace of God, help you prepare your minds for action. Let's pray. God, you are, you are amazing. I love that, that you're not dead. You are not dead, God, but you are alive. And God, you're the giver of life. It's mind-blowing to think that you created a living hope. It's even more amazing to think that you created a living hope and decided to place it inside jars of clay that are so fragile and weak. It's mind-blowing to me, God. God, help us. Help us to battle against excuses that stem from the root of laziness. God, your hope is alive. So may that hope speak volumes in our life. May it speak volumes in our life now and and may it prompt us to action. Please, Father, make it so that this church, our church, Redemption Church Alhambra, make it so that we will be an evangelistic church that is rooted in the living hope of you, God. Your hope is living. It's a living hope that is in Christ Jesus, your son. 
and we love you, God, and we thank you for all that you are, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.